Use check out right, three right. Garoppolo back on fourth down, throws over the middle. It's caught by Debo again. Breaks a tackle. He's going to run in the end zone for a touchdown. What a night by Debo Samuel on Monday Night Football. Touchdown, San Francisco. JT, welcome back to the show on Raider Nation Radio, 920 a.m. As we continue here on a nice day. Nice day, a little overcast where I am. Hope you had a great weekend. We got a chance yesterday to recap the Raider loss to Kansas City, and we're on to Cincinnati. But there's still some fans, obviously, as we've heard, that are pretty upset about the last game here on Tuesday. And if you still want to vent, you still want to talk about that blown opportunity against Kansas City, feel free to do it here because that that was a big game. That was a big game that got away from the Raiders early. And when games get away early, you got to show up and, and play better in the next game. We're brought to you by Five Iron Golf, the premier indoor golf facility in Area 15. Eight simulators giving you access to play the world's best golf courses. I'm there usually every Saturday. If you want to see me just hang out and hit a bucket of balls, I wouldn't pay to see me. I'd pay to go and get fitted for golf clubs and play every golf course in the world. Bring it up on the simulator, work on your game, and your game will get better. So, Niners Radio on the call. I wanted to talk about the Niner win last night. It's exactly what the Raiders need to do on Sunday against Cincinnati, period. Now, a lot of times in sports radio, we look and we make comparisons. We see a team do something, and then we compare it to our team. That happens in basketball, baseball, whatever, usually at the trade deadline, the draft. You know, you're building a team via free agency. But once the season starts, you're pretty much stuck with the players you have unless there's injuries, and then who do you usually sign? Usually sign players off the practice squad, players that don't make a big difference. It's very rare that you can find players midseason. And the Raiders were able to find Deshaun Jackson. Last night we saw Odell Beckham Jr. get his first start for the Rams, and he was pretty much like Deshaun Jackson. There wasn't a package or a big game plan for either one of them, so they didn't do much. Deshaun Jackson had the big fumble on Sunday night, which really changed the momentum in the game. And Odell Beckham Jr. kind of gave up on a route and had zero chemistry when it mattered with Matthew Stafford. But getting back to the Niners, the Niners played an outstanding football game last night. They did exactly what the Raiders need to do on Sunday. They need to play physical, and they need to play a very desperate game. And that's what what they did. And Kyle Shanahan has a game plan that works against the Rams. He's won his last five games. And look, both these teams recently went to the Super Bowl. You know, the Niners a couple of years ago and the Rams right before that. And they both lost in the Super Bowl, but they battle each other along with Seattle in that division. And they have Arizona in that division now who's in first place. But my takeaway from the 49ers in that win last night was they were all in. Something that the Raiders need to be quickly if they're going to save the season. And I'm talking about saving the season. Niners came out and they were up 14-0 at the end of the first quarter. And in that game, the box score showed it all. Stafford had a couple of big turnovers. He didn't play well. Two interceptions. Jimmy Garoppolo had no turnovers. Two touchdowns in the game. A 141.7 quarterback rating. And we know Stafford's been better than Jimmy Garoppolo, but he had a better game. The Niners ran the ball 44 times for 156 yards. That's only 3.5 yards a carry. That's it. But they were committed to the run. And they ran right out Aaron Donald, and they made it a physical bloodbath in the trenches. Can the Raiders do that? 
But what I liked about what the Niners did last night is that they were into it. Their body language was great. The coaches were into it. The fans were into it. It was a game that they had to win, and they wanted to get to four and five. And now they're in the playoff hunt because the NFC has a bunch of train wreck teams. So as we sit here today and look at the NFC playoff picture, the Niners now are right in the hunt. Niners are right where they need to be in this playoff picture. And they forced themselves back in the playoffs. They only trail Minnesota for the seventh seed. Last night, I had Larry Kruger on the radio show, longtime friend, who is also the pregame host for the 49ers, what I do with the Raiders. And I asked him what was happening in this game. He said it's the game plan that they use against Sean McVay. Doesn't that sound familiar? Andy Reid uses the same game plan against the Raiders all the time, and he pretty much beats them all the time. So the 49ers are right outside the playoffs. If the playoffs started today, they'd miss the playoffs. Uh, Carolina would be in at 5-5, five and five, Minnesota at 4-5, and five, and the 49ers at 4-5. and five. And then the rest are just teams that we don't think are going to make it. Atlanta, Philly, Washington, the Giants, Seattle at 3-6, and six, Chicago, and Detroit. So if the Niners didn't win that game last night, we'd be talking about the 49ers probably out of it. They'd be 3-6, and six, and they'd be trailing everyone, and now they're one game out of the playoffs. So I wanted to bring up that point today because I think that's exactly the type of game the Raiders have to have against the Cincinnati Bengals. The Bengals are a good team, and they are right behind the Raiders for the last playoff spot. If the playoffs started today, the Raiders would be on the outside looking in at 5-4, and four, because they lost to the Chargers and they'd lose the tiebreaker. But they get to play the Chargers again at home. So this game is critical, as I tweeted out today, because both the Raiders and the Bengals are 5-4. and four. The winner is going to have more control of this wild card race. And then on top of it, we know that Kansas City's playing Dallas. Kansas City could end up losing. And if Kansas City loses, they'd be 6-5, and five, and the Raiders would end up being 6-4. and four. If they win this game, they'd be back in first place, depending on what happens with the Chargers here. Big game, balls out, do what the Niners did in Kyle Shanahan. Put pressure on this team. That would be the Raiders to come out and play a good game. As you know, yesterday you were calling out several players on the team, and I think you need to do that as long as you do it with respect. As long as you don't make it personal, that's fair to do. But we're at the point in the season where the Raiders need to play a great game. And they have to play a great game. It's an emergency game on Sunday. It's a home game that puts them right back into the playoffs and maybe on top of the division again. It could change everything. But over the last couple of games and the last couple of losses, there aren't many Raider fans that are confident about a win. They want to win. They hope the Raiders win, but they're not confident that it could happen. So as I looked at the stats of the Raiders today, there were a couple of things that were a little bit shocking to me that I wanted to go over. First off, Derek Carr has not played well in the last couple of weeks. And that's understandable considering to what happened with that locker room. But now Derek Carr has got to shine and Derek Carr's got to play better, period. Derek Carr's got 15 touchdowns, 8 interceptions, a 97.3 quarterback ranking. He's still high in yards and completion percentage. He's at 67.7% and he's thrown for 2,826 yards. Those are good numbers. But the touchdowns need to now get up to about 20, 22, 23. He's got to get going in the touchdown category. Rushing the ball through seven games, Josh Jacobs doesn't even have 300 yards. 
Josh Jacobs, through seven games, has 80 rushes for 296 yards. He's averaging 3.7 yards a carry. He's got five TDs, and that's nice. Five TDs is good, halfway to 10, but he's got to get going here. So we got to decide what's going to happen here with Josh Jacobs because Josh Jacobs is only good for 42 yards a game. I mean, 50 yards a game is unacceptable for a former first-round pick. He's got to get up. He's got to get that number up higher. And the Raiders need him to run the ball, especially against Cincinnati. But the receiving stats blew me away. I want to remind you that Darren Waller only has two touchdowns on the entire season, two. He's played eight games, 44 receptions, 494 yards, and I repeat again, two touchdowns. Hunter Renfro has doubled the touchdowns of Darren Waller. Brian Edwards has the same amount of touchdowns as Darren Waller. Foster Moreau has the same amount of touchdowns as Darren Waller. What's going on with Waller? How do you get him open in the red zone? How do you throw him to? How do you throw it to him? I don't think he's getting enough targets in the red zone. I don't think that Derek Carr has enough confidence that he could throw him open is the term. That Derek could throw into coverage. I mean, the best example I could ever give you about Derek Carr not liking throwing it into double teams and into coverage would be Darren Waller. And last night, I go back to the 49ers. Debo Samuel had a touchdown where Jimmy Garoppolo threaded it in triple coverage over the middle of the field, and the Niners broke the game open because Garoppolo had confidence in Samuel that he could get open. He threw it into triple coverage, threaded the needle, and there was a touchdown there. So we have to see Derek Carr get back to that. The, uh, the Raiders are averaging 399 yards a game. That's seventh in the league. They're second in passing yards a game at 314. They're 28 in rushing yards. They're only averaging 85 yards a game. And they're 25th in interceptions with only four. As we talked about, they never catch anything that hits them. So again, I'm optimistic that the Raiders can beat Cincinnati. I shouldn't be on the radio if I don't think they could beat Cincinnati. But Cincinnati's a very tough team, and Cincinnati's going to come out throwing the football. They're going to throw the football, and they're going to throw it a lot in this game, and they're looking to go deep on the Raiders. Joe Burrow has a higher rating than Derek Carr at 102.6. He's got 20 touchdowns and 11 interceptions. His completion percentage is also higher at 68.2%. His yardage is off. It's not as good as Derek Carr, but he's got him beat in most of these other categories. They rushed the ball with Joe Mixon. He's got uh, nine games under his belt, 636 yards, 4.2 average, better than Josh Jacobs, seven touchdowns, better than Josh Jacobs. So the quarterback is about even with Carr. You could say, give a break, even with Carr. Give Carr the advantage because of the way he played early on. They got a better rushing attack, and they have a much better receiver in Jamar Chase. This guy is a freak. Nine games, 44 receptions, 835 yards, seven touchdowns on the day. Seven touchdowns. So they got guys who can make plays. You want more playmakers on this team? How about when it comes to sacks? With eight and a half sacks, Trey Hendrickson. So they got guys on both sides of the ball that can make plays and can get after the ball and really become disruptors. So the Raiders have to play this game very desperate. I think that everybody in this locker room needs to come together very quickly here. And I'd have no problem if the coaching staff called out some of these players and tried something a little bit more unique 
to get a little bit louder, get in their face, and get in front of them in the media and say that they're expected to play better. Don't tell me that Josh Jacobs and Darren Waller and Derek Carr aren't open to criticism. They're all great players that have tremendous upside, and this is what they do for a living. And now they have to be told that they have to be great and they have to win this game. Everything is on the line in this game coming up here. You beat Cincinnati, you pick up a game on Cincinnati, which is huge, and that's going to be a wild card race. Also, this Kansas City team that's 6-4, and four, Kansas City has a very unique game coming up with Dallas. They get Dallas at home. If Dallas can win this game, it would be exceptional. Then Kansas City goes on their bye week before they have Denver at home again and the Raiders. So the next three games for Kansas City are at home. Dallas, Denver, and the Raiders. It would be nice if Dallas could beat them so the Raiders can beat Cincinnati and bring them back to the pack. And the last team I want to mention is Indianapolis. Indianapolis concerns me. But they're in a tough spot. They're now 5-5. Five and five. They've won two in a row as the Raiders have lost two in a row. And Cincinnati's starting to play better football. They've won five out of their last seven games. And they're playing really physical and hard. Now, for Indianapolis, the last two victories were cupcakes. They beat the Jets 45-30, to and they beat Jacksonville 23-17. to They're at Buffalo. And then after that, they have Tampa Bay. So if the Raiders can find a way to beat Cincinnati... You're going to see an Indianapolis team that should lose their next two games at Buffalo and home to Tampa Bay. So I'm trying to be an optimist here to tell you how the Raiders get into the playoffs. All the Raiders have to do is take care of business in this game to get to 6-4. and four. Hope Dallas beats Kansas City. Also hope that Indianapolis, is, Indianapolis loses. That would do wonders. And the Chargers schedule coming up here is an interesting one too. Uh, the Chargers play Pittsburgh at home. That'll be a Steelers home game in L.A. They're at Denver. They're at Cincinnati, who the Raiders are playing. Then they have the Giants, Kansas City, at Houston, Denver, and Vegas. So I think the Chargers are going to be hanging around with the same, if not a better record than the Raiders. And Raider Nation's got to pull for some Charger losses like you had the last couple of weeks. And then between Baltimore, Pittsburgh, Cincinnati, and Cleveland, that'll all play out. That'll all play out. I have Cleveland in the playoffs. I had them winning that division, and they're in dead last at 5-5. Five and five. Expect them to play better football. And another team the Raiders are going to have to chase in the wild card possibly is New England as they've won four in a row, and they're 6-4. and four. And they look as good as anybody else other than Tennessee, the division leader, at 8-2. and two. Let me tell you what Tennessee has got coming up here as they ran through one of the greatest gauntlets of all time. Listen to who they beat. Buffalo, Kansas City, at Indy, at the Rams, and New Orleans. Are you kidding me? That's who they just beat. Now they get an easy game as they get Houston at home. That should get them to nine wins before they're at New England. And their bye week is week 13. 13 is the bye week for the Tennessee Titans. So let it fly and let it rip. Because I think there's several players on this team that deserve criticism. And they better have a great game. A great game is going to be necessary against the Cincinnati Bengals especially with that high-flying attack, Chase running the go route, and Burrow. Max Crosby and Yannick Ngakwe got to have a big game. And this is one of those games I think you probably want to blitz a little bit more if you're Gus because Joe Burrow at times takes a lot of time for those deep balls to develop and someone's got to get home and sack his ass. 
702-365-9200 as we continue today. Raiders coming off the loss to Kansas City. Now they got to get a win against Cincinnati, and all will be right. Six and four will look great. Uh, nice time last night. Thanks to all of our listeners who came out to Doghouse Saloon. I made eight, eight or nine of them that I was able to talk to that came out and saw the newest and hottest property on the Strip. Wasn't a bad seat in Doghouse. The sports book's right there. The food's great. The game was on, and there was entertainment right after that. Again, thank you to Doghouse for being a partners of ours, and thanks for everybody showing up last night. It was a cool crowd. I'll tell you the next time I'll be there, but good place to go for Monday Night Football as we continue right here. JT, this is Raider Nation Radio, 920 a.m. Well, I think, again, it's a little bit of what's you know, the attention he's attracted as well and what coverages they're trying to play and how they're trying to press him and getting some bracket coverages on him. I think in the last two weeks we've seen, because of what's going on with him, we've seen other players emerge a little bit and get their hands on the ball. You know, we talked about Brian and then um, what Hunter's been able to do. So we also have to look at that and see what position we can put him in to certainly get some targets back for him as well. All right, turn it up. People are excited. Tom Flores confirmed. We'll have him in about 20 minutes. Paul Gutierrez, ESPN Raider Insider at the bottom of the hour. So as Coach Passaccia, I got a whole bunch of sound to play from yesterday, but uh, we'll hear from your phone calls. I interview him on Thursday. Now they're trying to get targets going for Waller. They're trying to get more targets for everybody. One of the lines that Eric Allen always says and laughs at me is when I always say there's only one football to go around. Everybody wants the ball. Not since Cliff Branch, who actually wanted the ball on every play. My former great friend and Raider legend, who should be inducted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame this year. Cliff always said he was open, and a lot of times he was. Now, Waller is not open a lot. The point I've been making with Waller is he is not open. Derek has to trust that he can throw him open. That means he has to throw to him as he's coming out of a break or before he comes out of a break. they got to move him in motion. They've got to find a way to get him the ball more, like they did in the first game of the year against Baltimore. That's it. That's no other explanation. What's the explanation? We're only going to throw it to Waller when he's open? Really? Well, what happens when they double-team him? He's double-teamed because he's great. Travis Kelsey, I thought the coverage on Kelsey was awful Sunday night. Awful. It was soft. They didn't put their hands on him. He was open underneath. He was open whenever he wanted to be open. Tyreek Hill, I get. Tyreek Hill, Mahomes throws him open. Tyreek Hill runs that out and up. He's not open on the out. But when he makes the up, Mahomes puts the ball there. And it hits him in stride. It's remarkable. Well, that's what the Raiders have to do with Waller. They have to get him open. They have to throw to him when he's double teamed. They have to throw a high fade to him, and they have to let him go get the football. That's who Darren Waller is. That's how you got to use him. He's not going to be wide open on every play. And Renfro is an incredible route runner. Unbelievable route runner. Tremendous. And whenever he runs a head fake in or out and he pivots, he's open. Just get, him, get the ball on him. But Derek needs time, and he hasn't got the time the last couple of weeks. Uh, Jesse in Stockton, you're up next. What's happening, Jesse? Hey, JT, how's it going, man? Look, I'm, I'm frustrated, but I'm, I'm not losing confidence here. You brought a, a big point on what I think these coaches need to do. You know, Sunday night, 
I know I'm not going backwards here, but Gruden was sorely missed. We need somebody to light a fire in some of these guys' a-holes, as you know. Somebody needs to be held accountable, and that's what Gruden was best at. You know, uh, I don't see – I know Rich Versace is a good man. Uh, you know, he looks like a, a leader of men. But that was a total mismatch going against Andy Reid uh, on Sunday night. You know, uh, another caller brought up a, a great point. You know, it was a mismatch. It's a chess match, at least when we had John Gruden out there. I'm not going backwards, but we do need these coaches to go out there and light a fire in some of these players' a-hole, if you know what I mean, and get them to be held accountable and start playing with some passion here. Start playing with some pride and poise, some commitment to excellence, and let them know that they're going to be held accountable Light a fire in practice. Do something to get these players riled up again because it's just not there right now. When Gruden was there, at least, like I said, he wasn't the best coach, but he, God damn it, he was, he was a hell of a man to light a fire in some of these players' a-holes. If you know what I mean, JT? Yeah, well, I said that in the open. I think that, you know, this is a team that when you, when you have to, when you have to get in their face, and we know what John Gruden was like. I mean, look, if you watch NFL Network and the history – of John Gruden, you know what John Gruden was like. He'd get into the face of anybody. The The memory I have of Coach, I was on the sideline for those games back then. The back and forth between Gruden and Gannon was amazing. Gannon would stand right up to Gruden. Gruden would bark right back at him. It was great to see. And I think Coach Gruden and Derek Carr got into it a bunch early in their time together. I don't know much about Coach Passaccia. On game day, I'm not down there on the sidelines, but I think that he's deferring to his coordinators and the coaches are talking to Derek. And I don't think that Coach Passaccia needs to grab Derek by the face mask. I'm like, I'm not giving that uh, impression at all. I just think that whatever has to happen with these position coaches, they just got to increase the pressure and volume into this week because whatever is working is not working. It's not working. So try to be more of a badass try to have these guys a little bit more worked up coming into the first quarter of a game. You know, you would think that Yannick Ngakwe and Max Crosby are doing their job in the locker room. Alec Ingold is gone for the year. Uh, players have told me on the record how important he is in pregame and getting this team ready to go. And then the rest of the players here, Jonathan Abram is a very confident player, even though he doesn't play great against Kansas City, very confident player. I think they come out of the uh, locker room in the tunnel very excited to play. Uh, they're ready to play. I thought their body language with the last five minutes of the fourth quarter when Mahomes was just picking them apart was tough to watch. Passionate Raider in Illinois. Thanks for holding. You're up next. What's up, JT? Yeah, man, I'm just sitting here again, you know, listening to you talk about the, the Jacobs deal and whatnot, you know, and then you think about the Gruden factor and the past two weeks, I mean, you, you know, you sit here and you think about what, what, what's going to – what possibly more can they do to get ready for Cincinnati that they couldn't get ready for a home game in their home against their rivals for first place. That's where I'm just sitting here again, like year four of this. We're still going to go backwards in November and December. But you know what? It's still – they're still they're, – everyone's still bunched up. It ain't like the other years where we've been spread up and down. So I just got to reel myself back in, reel it back in and realize, okay, it's five and four. But – JT, if Josh Jacobs doesn't knock his little – he's got a little attitude to him that, I, that I've that i noticed in the past two years that I, he's always little things he's saying this, oh, my injury this. It's just little things here and there that he's saying that – and then when he said when Gruden was gone, the sideline was – and the way he was saying it, I just really – it just really was kind of smirky to me. So mm -hmm. I want to see 
I want to, and then he goes out there with the Bo Jackson jersey on, and you come up with 17 yards. It is what it is. The play calling is what it is. I don't understand even Waller. I, I mean, nobody's body language the past month has really, really been on. And mm-hmm. I don't know what more plays you could possibly script up to get Darren Waller the ball. Because you go against the Chiefs, it's the same offense. They didn't do anything different against us that they did the past four years that Mahomes has been there. And it was the same thing, same thing, same thing. Mm-hmm. So those games like that, there's yeah. just no reason to come out and lay an egg like that. You can't afford to do that. So Cincinnati, I don't know. I'm optimistic right now, J.D., but I'm going to tell you right now, if they don't set up the run and if they don't get Foster Moreau touching that ball and setting up that play, it's done because there's two games in a row, no play action, no Foster Moreau. Right. No, none of the things they were doing the previous two weeks where they were, where they were walking. Dar- I don't know, man. they got to figure it out. They're pros. Darren Waller's Darren Waller. There's no reason he's not touching the ball more. Got Maybe it. a 10. I don't know. I don't know, Jamie. Okay. I don't know. Got to run, my friend. Appreciate it. I got to guess. That that's really what we've been talking about since I hosted the postgame show after that loss. What's happened with this offense as we bring in Paul Gutierrez, who's kind enough to join us from ESPN Television, ESPN.com. And, Paul, you just heard the end of that. What is the issue with getting Waller open? When you talk to the coach or you're around practice, what are they trying to do to get Waller productive again? Yeah, it's interesting. I think it's all of what the previous caller was saying. And it kind of starts with what this offense was when John Gruden was calling the plays and what it is now with Greg Olson. is It's a run-first, run-heavy offense that everything kind of springs from that. And when they can't run the ball, then there's no play action. Then there's no, you know, it doesn't really set up a screen pass. We saw those two things when they beat Denver and when they beat Philadelphia. We haven't seen it of late, and they haven't been able to run the ball. So the roundabout answer to the question then about Darren Waller, um, you know, Rich Passaccio was asked about him. You know, he got those 19 targets in the opener, and he's kind of been in the invisible man ever since. Well, teams are doing things to scheme to take him away. That should open things up for somebody else, but if you can't run the ball, then it doesn't matter because they'll, the – the edge rushers are able to just pin their ears back, come in, and that still inexperienced offensive line is, is going to have to protect Derek, and, and you see what happens when he doesn't have any protection. So it's a total domino effect that's, that's happening with the offense right now. Do you believe that Derek should do a better job throwing him open, throwing earlier before he breaks into his route, just giving him more opportunities to highball, catch a fade, to do things that could showcase Waller's activity if they're just going to say well look he's bracketed with the safety over the top and someone puts his hands on him early in the route we're just going to forget about it I think that's the problem that I've seen over the last couple of weeks Paul is let him get to his break let him go make a play throw it in a difficult spot and let's see more of his athletic ability well and that comes with trust right that comes with the, the the trust from Derek Carr to his pass catchers whether it's Darren Waller or Brian Edwards or even now Deshaun Jackson. It, there's always a trust factor that it's involved. It doesn't matter if your name is Vince Ferragamo, Jim Plunkett, or Derek Carr. You have to have trust in your guys. But with Derek, it's much more stark uh, when he when it's showing that he doesn't really have that trust. And that's the thing that I, I'm kind of scratching my head right now. And, and you know if you ask a simple yes or no question of Derek, hey, do you trust Darren Waller right now? Of course he's going to say yes, and you're going to get the look and this, that, and the other. So – there's just something that's going on, a lack of trust, whether it's Derek's not on his right spot because that offensive line isn't keeping him clean or Darren Waller's getting bumped out of the route too soon and Derek sees that and says, oh, I, I got you know, to go somewhere else. Um, 
you know, he's he's thrown a lot of interceptions the past few games as well. And, and when that happens, the confidence factor, not only in the receiver, but in himself goes down. And, it again, it's all just kind of predicated upon what they cannot do early on, and that's run the ball. Paul Gutierrez, ESPN. It's amazing that they can't run the ball. And what do, what do you see as the issue here, that Rodney and Gabe are gone, no Richie Incognito, all the issues that we see here, or is Josh just not hitting the hole correctly? Are they stuffing the box? Because, Paul, his numbers are really down, and especially compared to average running backs in this league. I don't expect him to be a Derrick Henry or even now Jonathan Taylor, but those numbers have to increase, especially with him wanting a new contract down the road. Yeah, and that's the thing with Josh that's interesting is they're down just from his rookie year. But then again, mm. it all starts on that offensive line. You mentioned all those names that are no longer here. This is a rebuilt uh, on-the-fly <laughs> offensive line because even the guys that are out there right now were projected to be backups entering this season with Denzel Good going out, Richie Incognito not practicing since the middle of August. Um, it starts there, but with, with Josh, what, what's interesting to me is that his running style in, doesn't really – portend well for his body size and his body type in the NFL. He's a bruiser, but his body's not that of a bruiser. I mean, he, he kind of runs like, you know, old school here, uh, an Earl Campbell type, but he doesn't really have that body to withstand that kind of thing. So there's a lot of uh, aches and pains and, and, and nicks and, and things like that that are going on with him. Um, but, you know, he's real honest when he speaks, almost to a fault. And, and the, one of the, the most recent times he talked, he talked about looking at the film. And he said he turned and looked at the coaches after watching no holes at all and said, well, I don't know what you want me to do here. So that's kind of where it starts. And, you know, the type of running back he is, he, he's got to be patient. But, it, you know, if there's no hole, there's no hole. Paul Gutierrez, ESPN. Uh, let me ask you also on the defensive side. I, I've just been blunt on this. I don't think you could start Jonathan Abram against Kansas City anymore. I really don't. I don't know what you want to do with uh, bringing in another corner or bringing in another safety. He just can't handle that assignment. That assignment is hurting this team in manageable games. That game got out of control late in the game, but Abram's having a good year, Paul. There's a couple of games, and, yeah, I'm fine with him playing against Cincinnati, but it just looked to me that Andy Reid and Mahomes just said, let's find Abram, let's go right at him, let's attack downfield again, because he, he doesn't trust his eyes. If he sees Mahomes move up in the pocket or move outside the pocket, he just starts trending over to Mahomes and someone's wide open. Yeah, and, and you saw it on, in the two weeks in a row, too, where he got uh, you know basically mossed for lack of a better term, by a yeah. running back in, in Kansas City. And it happened the week before in, in, uh, with a tight end in, in, the, in New York, too, in New Jersey. The Giants mm-hmm. did the same kind of play. He's in good position, but the ball skills are still – there's still something to be said about the ball skills or lack thereof. Um, you know, he's great in the box. He's a great run defender. But I don't know if an NFL safety can be so one-dimensional. Um, you know, and this is a first-round pick again we're talking about. Uh, whether he could be on the field or not. And, and the NFL is a copycat league. So you know the Bengals are looking at that and going, huh, okay, the Giants did this. All right, well, the, the Chiefs did this as well. It wouldn't shock me if they kind of targeted Abram and tried to get him out in space as well, too, because we've seen what he can, and, and probably more importantly for the Raiders, what he cannot do in coverage. Well, let's spend our final few minutes on a preview of Cincinnati and chase what he does on the outside, Burrow. Look, uh, he can play. Burrow can play. He puts up some monster numbers, and then there are games. There, Paul, they remind me a lot like the Chargers, where I think they're going to win all these games, and then 
they start losing a few in bunches and you go, wow, they're blowing an opportunity to be a playoff team. They're coming back to the pack again. I, I know Cincinnati can be explosive. I just wonder if the Raiders, they're coming off their bye week. We know what teams are like after the bye week. They could either be rusty or have fresh legs here. What concerns you about this matchup with the Bengals? Uh, Chase just running down the field, running running by everybody. The the Raiders secondary is beat up, and, and we've, we just talked about Jonathan Abram. But um, if Max Crosby is allowed to actually play and not get mugged every single time he's rushing the quarterback, that will help the Raiders. Um, same thing with Unique Ngakwe. If, if they can get pressure on, on Burrow, that is number one. And I know I keep sure. going, this is the theme today, right? It's always in the trenches. It, it starts and, st- and ends to me with the offense and defensive line. So if your edge rushers can get in, if your guys up the middle can, can make him uncomfortable, okay, that's going to negate some things down the field. So that, to me, is what I'm, I'm most, um, I don't know if concerned is the right word, but more most intrigued by, to see how the Raider defensive line and the secondary responds after getting torched for 41 points against a team that can, you know, I don't know if they could be just as explosive, but has shown some flashes of being just as explosive. And, um, like I said, Max Crosby's got to fight through those things, and, and uh, mm-hmm. it's interesting. He's now starting to get that uh, Khalil Mack uh, treatment when Khalil wasn't getting any flags earlier in his career. So that, that should be a sign of respect, but I'm sure he'd rather get the flags. Wrapping it up with Paul Gutierrez. Paul, I'm, you're in press conferences more than I am, and you have tremendous access to this team. I mean, how do you know when guys are coming back healthy? I'm trying to help the fans here with Mullen, <laughs> Morrow, Incognito. We now know Alec Ingold's gone for the year. Is there any encouragement that players are coming back in the immediate future that can have an impact on this team? Well, we know Incognito. I asked Richie yesterday about Incognito uh uh, Rich Bisaccia about Richie Incognito, and he said he's had a setback. So there really is no timeline there. I know he was at the game, so that was something to see him on the field before the game hanging out. Um, Trayvon Mullen, uh, a couple weeks away. Um, wow. Nick Morrow, he actually said he was closer than the other guys, and a couple weeks ago he said he was furthest away. So with two games in 10 days, I would probably start to look after Thanksgiving and just see when Morrow, Mullen, and uh, I, don't, I don't know if we'll ever see Incognito again, to tell you the truth, because it just seems very strange that a, a calf strain yeah. suffered August 18th has, has taken this long. August 18th, incredible. We, we think the world to Richie, and he's got everything that you'd want to see in a football player, but it's unfortunate he's just not available. Uh, finally, Paul, do you think that the Raider coaching staff, that's been the topic on the show today, are they going to bring more juice to this game? Because we know they haven't prepared. We know they practice well. We know the advantage of the Raiders is they have these former head coaches and all of this knowledge and experience. But do they got to light these guys up? There's, is there going to be something different coming out of the tunnel? Because these four, the first quarters are tough to watch. Do you expect to see a, a higher level of intensity on Sunday against Cincinnati? Well, it better be. Otherwise, you're going to have the same result as the previous two weeks. Yeah. Because what JT is is the definition of insanity: doing the same thing over yeah. and over again and expecting a different result. They got to do something different. They got to go back and capture whatever they had in that bottle at Denver and against the Eagles before the bye, and just throw away everything that happened before the Giants and and uh, the Chiefs. Because this thing, the you know, it's leaking oil right now, and the wheels are shaking and. And, you know, they lose to the Bengals and then go on a short week to the Cowboys. This thing could get ugly real, real quick. And the fact of the matter is they win. They're 6-4. and four. So I've right. been following you on Twitter today. And, and you, know, you know, the sky's not falling, and they still have their future in their own hands. So 
we'll see. That has to be the impression. That has to be the tenor of the week, and, and we all know that is going to be. Um, it's got to um, transform itself onto the field. Thank you, Paul. See you Sunday. Thanks for the time. Sounds good. Yeah, Paul Gutierrez, what great information. What a great insider. Raiders have some really good insiders. Been doing this to see Ed Graney and what Paul's able to do and, you know, Vinny Bonsignor and Vic and other ones that are out there. They're very good. Paul follows me on Twitter. You don't have to. I'm a much much more bitter guy on Twitter than I am on the radio, and that says a lot. So, again, I've had a couple of battles because you can't battle people on Twitter in real life. You can only battle them on Twitter. That should be a T-shirt. Brought to you by SalmonAshLaw.com because you deserve what's right. Yeah, you know, we lost two games. Uh, it's, a, it's a tough league. Everybody, you know, is, is good. So at the end of the day, we just got to look at the film and get better from it. Um, it sucks because, you know, it's a rivalry game. Uh, we're at home. Scored, got out of hand pretty, you know, fast at the end of the game. You know, we were in it and it slipped away. So it is what it is. You know, everybody is going to look at it and have their take on it. But, you know. We just got to keep, keep doing what we're doing, get better and better every day. That's Max Crosby, JT, as we wrap it up with the Hall of Fame coach, the legend Tom Flores, who's kind enough with this time to join us every other Tuesday. And, Coach, would it be fair to say you had one of the greatest weekends in your life with your former teammates, former players, Charles Woodson, the Hall of Famers, but I'm sure you were very disappointed with the outcome of that game. Yeah, no question. That's it, right? But, uh... Well, I tell you, first of all, congratulations to Charles and uh, our class because we, he and I, were in the same class and mm-hmm. we were proud of that class. And, and uh, it was, to watch him gleam like I felt when I got my ring is just uh, just warming. It's just it uh, makes you feel good. It's one of those feel good things that you get once in a while, and I seem to have a lot of them this year, other than my yeah. my back surgery, but. The the team, you know, they're just they're just not there right now. They're uh, struggling. Uh, and coach, know? yeah, and that's why I wanted to ha- go. Go ahead, coach. I wanted to have you on because I wanted to talk about when you were coaching when your team was struggling and you you needed to do something. You needed to do something different to either loosen them up and get them to play, you know, just with more fun and just the ability to get into a flow again, or when there were probably times you really had to get into a face maybe or really push a player to get more out of them. How would you handle it? Well, every player was different. Every team was different. Uh, Mm. Mature teams were different because you could yell at them, although I wasn't a yeller and screamer, but you could get on their butts. And uh, the young ones, you got to be careful because they they don't know how to handle it. Uh, yeah, but you, the one thing you have to do, you have to let them play, let them practice, uh, loosen up the practice a little bit. Uh, you know, and, and it's, you know, we always said we're not doing anything wrong. We just got to do it better, and uh, they have to do it better. You can't you you can't drop balls. We we we're not good enough to drop balls and overcome them. You can't miss an opportunity when it's there. You can't do that. Uh, you can't throw the ball. You know, Derek can't throw the ball up in the air for grabs. 
you know, unless it's a desperation thing, there's nothing else to do and the game's over. And that's mm-hmm. basically one of his one of his throws, I think, was. And you know, it's interesting. Three weeks ago, all the headlines were the same there about the Chiefs as they are now about the Raiders. Yeah. <laughs> You're right about that. Tom Flores is our guest. I want to just stay on that a little bit, Coach, because, you know, just lighten it up and having more fun. And you had a lot of Mavericks and a lot of characters, and they turned out to be some of the more famous players in Raiders history, so you knew when maybe they needed a little bit of levity. They needed to be a a little bit loose. They were a little bit of tight, and you would change that up a little bit in practice. Would you have more fun with them? Would it be a different type of practice, something that you would bring them in the middle of the week that they weren't aware of coming into that practice? Well, you might do that. You might loosen that that part up a little bit. But the the main thing, you know, know, don't change what you're doing if you believe in Mm -hmm. it. They'll they'll notice. They'll notice right away that you're changing something. What are you trying to do? Are we changing our offense? No. We we had guys open. We we had uh, we dropped some balls. Uh, you know, it would have been a much closer game. I don't know if we would have won. You know, Kansas City is a very talented team, and they some of the things that they do are just uh, so wacko and out of line. I mean, the guy runs across the field, he stops and then he runs all the way across the other side of the field and, uh, yeah. and over there waiting for him is. Mahomes with the ball, so he just throws it down the field for a big, a big play. So, you know, they're they're very they're very. This is not the team that you you want to beat all the other teams as well, but this isn't the only team. The, the Chiefs aren't the only team. Tom Flores, as we wrap it up, Coach, I want to go back early in your career as an assistant to Coach Madden when you had Dave Casper as a coach, and then when you had Todd Christensen. Take me behind the scenes when they were getting doubled and other teams wanted to take them out of the game and you knew it was going to be more difficult to get them open, but they were two of the most productive tight ends in NFL history. What would you do to kind of get them going again and showing trust in your quarterback, maybe to give them more opportunities, even if they look co- uh, covered? Well, you just uh, Snake was smart enough to, to know what was going on. And then the one thing that you had to realize when they were doubling and trying to take away Casper and Christian at the same time, we had a guy named Cliff Branch uh-huh. who they had the yeah. man. And if they had the man color him, it's over. They, they, they're not going to be able to do it. He, he was too good for them. But, but uh, yeah, yeah, you could take a tight end out of the game. New England always does that. They always take right. their number one receiver of the other team out of the game. You better be ready. The other guys better be ready, and uh, and uh, don't design anything new for them. Just make sure you're aware of them because they're they're running routes as well every time trying to get open. Hey, coach, last one. I mean, I'm trying to be optimistic here. If they win, and Kansas City loses to Dallas, they could be right back in first place. They could be yeah. in the playoffs. Uh, even if Kansas City wins, they could come in if the Chargers lose. There's a lot of season left. If the Raiders get to 6-4 and four after 10 games, that's going to be exciting around here again with the rest of the schedule. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, this is uh, – this. you know, there's no one's going undefeated, as, as we all well know. And, and uh, we still have a lot of football left to play. So let's not panic yet. Let's not panic. Let's not panic at all. Let's just go on and do our jobs. So you've been here a lot. When are we going to see you next, Coach? Do you have anything lined up here in Vegas, signings, events with the Raiders? Uh, I don't have anything that I know of. I may have something in my books, but I don't have anything that I know of this week. Uh, I've got to go to 
Chicago this week for an event. Mm-hmm. Uh, this week, they, so I'm going to be catching our game on the way back. Great. Good to I'm see not- your wife and son, and it was great seeing you at Charles's event. Everybody had a great time. That was a special night. Sure was. Well, JT, so it was nice seeing you. Thank you, Coach. Take care. Tom Flores. Man, I want to talk about the perks perks of my life with the Raiders. There's too many. There's just too many to walk into that room and MC the Woodson private party, and Tom Flores is there sitting in a booth with Ted Hendricks and Jim Otto, and then sitting in the next booth is Tim Brown, Rod Woodson, and then in the next booth is Fred Bolitnikoff and Ron Wolf, and it was just a glorious night, and the similarities what the Raiders did, and I couldn't tell you, and no one could because Charles is pretty sharp on social media. As you know, Charles has Twitter, and he has Instagram, and the Raiders did the same thing for Charles that they did for Coach Flores. They did this big, this is your life, where they took Charles behind the scenes. He came up an escalator to the torch, which if you've been to the games, you know about that. And there were some people from our alumni department, and I was there, mic'd up, and Charles saw me, and he walked over to me, and we embraced, and I said hi to his wife. And then the next thing you know, the night starts. And Rich Eisen from NFL Network, who went to Michigan, he was the voice of God. He did look back at his career. And then I introduced the people that came to surprise Charles. So his high school football coach and his defensive coordinator flown in by the Raiders, Mark Davis, and the alumni department. Then teammates from Michigan, teammate James Jones from the Packers. And Charles was going down the corridor. And all of a sudden, these people would come out. It was marvelous. This is your life. And Charles had no clue, just like Coach Flores didn't when he was out here and they did the same thing. And I can't imagine anybody even coming up with that idea. You know, you think about a great idea, and then you say, well, why don't we bring these guys back, surprise them, bring back all their peers in the Hall of Famers, and then have them inside the Allegiant Stadium and then come out behind these unbelievable boards, and Charles and his wife are going, are you kidding me? And then Charles came down the escalator into the Winfield Club for this party with his friends, his family, his business partners, and then it turned into a nightclub. And he had one of the best times of his life. He was blown away. And it's because the Raiders, they do everything five-star. I mean, they do everything five-star when it comes to this alumni. It's incredible to be a part of. Eddie in Los Angeles. Thanks for waiting, Eddie. Wrap it up. How you doing, JT? What I want to see, how about tight end slants? Work the middle of their field with Derek Carr is great at doing. Or how about throwing some handoffs out to you know to, to Jacob, get him out running right, get him in some speed and mm-hmm. open, and ha- have him just bowl down. Stop with the runs up the gut that are not working. Let these guys get out in space. Let these guys do what they got to do. Bring in. You don't have to reimagine our offense. Just start throwing in some tinkers. Hey, how how about a a flicker, a flea flicker here and there? Something that they haven't seen on film. Protect yourself. And the, uh, as far as defenses goes, we need that front four to play like they were playing in early in the year. Create some pressure. Knock him out and, and give him, get a couple sacks. Knock him off his rocker. We'll be all right. Stay up, Raider Nation. We're all right. We've got some games. We can win it. It's going to be tough. But, hey, this is what it is to be a Raider fan. Chin up. Raiders! Yeah, good phone call. Way to be excited about it. You know, I like what you said about pitching the ball out to Josh. You know, pitch it out to him where he's moving, and he's running behind Colton Miller. I mean, Leatherwood's a big guy. I'd run behind Leatherwood too, but I'd run to the left behind Colton Miller and let Colton Miller get out 
and block a defensive end and then go to the next level and hit a linebacker. A hand up up the middle for Josh Jacobs. I've seen enough of that. It's not working. It doesn't work. You know, every once in a while he'll get you six or seven yards. But we're talking about Josh having 20-yard gains, 25-yard gains. This has got to happen now. That's why he was brought here to do this. And I expect Darren Waller to come back. I'm really spending a lot of time breaking down the Cincinnati defense because we know how good the offense is. Thanks to all of our partners. Please support our partners. That's the only reason I have this radio show is our sponsors. They're fantastic. Billshappen.com, Doghouse Saloon, Grimaldi's Pizza, Five Iron Golf, Modelo, Woodson Whiskey, as we talked a lot about Charles, Remy Martin, the Henderson Hyundai Superstar, our great friends at SalmonAshLaw.com, Wahoo's Fish Taco. I'm telling everybody to get to Wahoo's Fish Taco on Eastern. Get up to that second deck. Have some food. They have little concerts there, performances. You can look back at the whole strip. Wahoo's Fish Taco on Eastern and their five other locations in the Valley. Great place to get lunch, dinner, and have a great time with your friends. See you back tomorrow, everybody. Yeah.